Hey everyone, it's Carla Muller and Sam Owen here on Bullshit and Bravery, your podcast aimed to improve mental well-being in our primary sector through sharing real experiences. A big thank you to our sponsor, the Waikato Rural Support Trust, for funding this pilot, which includes six episodes. The views shared in this podcast are those of the hosts and the guests, not the Waikato Rural Support Trust. The content discussed in this podcast may be triggering and relate to mental health challenges such as depression, postnatal depression, anxiety and suicide. Please seek help if you're triggered by any of the content in these podcasts. Welcome to this episode of Bullshit and Bravery. As this is our first episode, we don't have a guest. Instead, Sam and I are going to share a bit more of our own stories so you get to know us as your hosts a bit more. But first, let's start with what we're seeing and feeling on the ground. Yeah, so we've enjoyed a fairly good spring and there's a little bit of feed A being put in the ground and also harvested. So that's always a good sign during spring heading into uh, what we're being told is a El Nino summer. So, you know, that's always a good front foot. We're seeing lamb price, unfortunately, being pretty woeful. But, you know, there's only one way from the bottom and it's up and fingers crossed we can push that. The deer guys are doing really well. Uh, Venison's doing really well out there. And unfortunately, we're still seeing a lack of skilled staff right across the industry. And that in itself is enough stress to drive anybody crazy without some of the market influence and some of the weather influences going on. I think you're absolutely right. Prices are tough. Staff is tough. Finding good staff is always a challenge. I think the big thing for me is that we've seen a lot of disruption this last six months with the election. There's still a lot of uncertainty and quite a lot of tension in society. I think people are still a bit unsettled and I think it's showing up in you know, some quite negative commentary around farming still as well as between people. And I hope that you know, as a society, we start to be a bit kinder to each other as we move forward because it can be really hard to hear continued negative commentary on whatever the issue is that's important to yourself. I think the old saying goes to a negative word will travel farther than a positive word, but actually positivity creates more momentum. It spreads. It spreads. And and so does negative, but positivity can turn the story around very quickly and can recharge people's batteries and recharge community really rapidly. What's the old saying? If you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all, right? We can all learn to live by that. Yep. I think it's probably an old school saying that probably doesn't get used enough, to be honest. All right, so Sam, let's pass to you first. Give us a bit of background into yourself and what your journey with mental health has been. Yeah, I'm 42 for all my sins, even though probably I look a bit older than that most days. Um, Emigrated from Wales in 1997 with my family. Started uh, into the agricultural sector as a relief milker. Didn't know one end of a cow from another. And sometimes I wish that stayed that way on some gloomy days, but actually agriculture has been very good to me. And I'm married to Jackie, who's a rural lawyer, and I've got two children, Abby and Reese. We farm just on the outskirts of Manamina, dairy grazing unit, was involved in the dairy industry for 22 years, in one capacity or another, whether it be farm assistant or higher order share milker. Uh, enjoyed my time in the dairy industry and still keep a very close eye on it. I do some farm consulting on the side when I get a bit of time, but also my passion is helping people in the rural sector around mental health. And I joined up with the Rural Support Trust about three to four years ago and have enjoyed the challenges and enjoy the things that the rural industry throws when it's good or bad. 
and seeing people come out of some of those poor situations or badly um, set up situations to move forward and progress. Yeah, my mental health challenges probably realistically started 16, 17 years ago through a bad experience on a farm. Probably put it in the back pocket for a short time, realized uh, again it was going to reoccur, tried something different, but didn't really just put the sticking plaster on something that needed a bit more serious attention. A few small blips came along, and my wife had already indicated that, you know, these weren't, I was seeing them as small. Um, speed bumps. She was seeing them as more as something that was uh, deeper. Um, so, around about 2015, our son got really ill. That triggered a pretty big shift in my mental health attitude and my mental health plan. And I thought I had it under control till I hurt myself quite badly, dropping a tractor bucket on my right hand. Ouch! In 2000 and. 20, and that's when I realized I had to really get the black dog on a good lead and start to dictate where we're going for walks instead of being pulled along the path by it. I've used several tools in the toolbox. I've been at some really good, solid highs for a long time during probably the last five years, but also I've felt the lows, and it's those thought of the highs and the momentum that those highs create keeps you from you know staying in those lows and I'd just love to share some of those stories and hopefully you know pass on a little bit of the wisdom and knowledge I've gained even though sometimes it doesn't feel like I'm that wise and the biggest piece of advice I can offer from what I've been through is the effect that it has on people around you you're not aware of till you have called upon them, but actually people around you are more aware of your mental health and your state of mind than you'll ever realize. And that comes from family, friends, even stock agents and a local truck driver who comes in. They're all sensitive to people's reactions and how they get greeted and how they get talked to. And so actually when, when the alarm bells actually go off in your own head, quite a lot of people are already at that emergency station ready to help you. And I think being aware that the help is there regardless is that safety net that everybody needs to be reminded of. Yeah, no, I completely agree with that. And I have some parallels in my story too, which I'll share share soon. But well, you mentioned your toolbox. What are the kind of key tools that you've got in your toolbox now to manage your mental health? Well, kind of like any any farmer, I carry a toolbox in my mind or share my toolbox with people. So if I'm in a poor state of mind or I'm feeling the doldrums, I look into what I call my mental health toolbox. So I carry five things in there. One's my medication. I've always carried medication quite at arm's length, probably up till about three or four years ago because I saw it as a crutch I didn't need. But now I find it a key component to what helps me move forward and smooth out those blips. I listen to a lot of music. Music relaxes me. It also takes my mind off a lot of things that shouldn't be worrying me. Uh, Spending time with my family and friends. Uh, Kids are a great distraction. Also, spending time with my wife. We both enjoy going out for dinners and enjoying good cuisine, so that's always a good uh, respite from things that are going on. And I think, too, is giving back. Um, One of the pillars, I think, uh, Farmstrong talk about is 
giving back, and giving back for me is helping people within the industry, whether it be rural sport trust, helping people, whether it comes to, you know, I've, I've got the body shape for it, so I play Santa now and again for a few <laughs> local schools, and that, that to me is giving back and also recharging my own batteries by seeing the happiness that it brings to others. And some of those things are what I keep in my mental health toolbox. So when I'm feeling that, you know, I'm under the pump or things are not exactly ticking, I just go back to that toolbox and have a dig around and see what's there to kick me back into gear and to help me um, get those cogs working in the right order again. Nice. What's been a story or something that's stuck with you? You've done a lot of work with, with the Rural Support Trust. What's been the biggest story or situation you've seen, you know, turn around? And what do you think the impact that that's had had on you? Um, there's so many. I mean, unfortunately, there would be a great outcome if the likes of Rural Support Trust Farmstrong were ever needed. But I've probably taken, and this is going to sound slightly selfish, I've probably taken a lot more lessons away from what I've dealt with with people. And sometimes it actually jogs your own psyche and your own work ethic. Probably the best one I, I can ever think of was I was helping a farmer do some mediation around staff. The staff were fully on board with the program that the farmer wanted to run, but realisation to both members were that they couldn't work in a team together, both in their own right great farmers, both in their own right really driven, really passionate about the industry. But it was that coming together of the heads to realise that sometimes you can have a heap of stars, but you just can't put them into a team and create a star team. And that for me was a real eye-opener, but it was also the realisation that creating a team, whether it be on a small farm and those team members are accountants, lawyers, et cetera, or a large team where they're all staff members working on the property, and creating that whole environment is crucial. And right throughout life, this person had put great teammates and team members around them, but also recognised when a star player wasn't being part of that team and it actually could undermine everything they'd, they'd done. And having that open and frank discussion with them, understanding where they were coming from, but then sharing some of the stories that had triggered that conversation was wonderful. It's amazing that it shows you just the range of things that can trigger, you know, quite a, a challenging period in someone's mental health, right? It can be everything from the weather through to staff issues through to being in the wrong team or being having the wrong teammates. There's a lot of triggers that can potentially combine to set someone's situation on a downward trend. Yeah, there's always more than one factor. It doesn't matter who you go and speak to in, in any kind of situation, whether it be good, bad or otherwise. There's so many a multitude of factors of why someone's feeling really good about their mental health and really good about what's going on or feeling quite poorly or quite bad. And it does take time to remedy those things. But as I say to people, being at the pinnacle of anything, like whether it be an athlete, whether it be at the top of the agricultural game, the pinnacle is only there to see the top. You have to go down to a level where you can sustain that and being part of the Rural Support Trust always helps me realise that uh, kind of job or ethos is to help create a good base level for someone and put them on that level that they can sustain for long periods of time. And if they want to go for the pinnacle and come back again, they don't slip below that base camp. 
because once you get below that base camp, it becomes harder to climb back up to that level. And having a happy medium or a base camp, so to speak, is where you need to be. Thanks, Sam. Finish on one one note. What's your biggest piece of advice for listeners out there? Whether it be good or bad, you cannot run a farm on a maybe. So whether you know the answer and it's going to be nice or whether you know the answer is going to be a bugger, having the answer and having it more crystal clear than anything else is a place to move forward from. Limbo and maybe doesn't get you anyway. So yeah, get the answer, whether it be good or bad, rip the Band-Aid off and move forward. So now I've literally spilled my guts, so to speak. <laughs> Thanks, Sam. So I'm uh, in my early 30s and my partner is a sheep and beef farmer. We've got a three-year-old daughter and in my professional life, I'm an agribusiness consultant. For me, my journey with mental health started more recently, probably closer to two years ago, uh, maybe a bit before that, when I tried to come back from maternity leave into you know, what my life looked like before and had to kind of have a fundamental rethink about my life and how I now fitted what my previous self was as this high-flying professional in the ag sector into being a mum and spending less time at work and how I managed to navigate the differences and and competing requirements, I guess, of being a partner and being a mum and being a rural professional as well. So for me, that combined with the challenges of having a child anyway, the physical changes that your body goes through, the hormone imbalances, the chemical imbalances, the lack of sleep combined, and and I ended up with quite bad postnatal depression. For me at the time, we were living in a really, really rural environment and there wasn't really much support. I had amazing family and friends. And, you know, as you said, they probably knew I was struggling way more than I would own up to myself. And, you know, they were all encouraging me to get help and ask for help, but I didn't really know how to. I didn't have a regular GP, you know, in the rural area we were in. We had a locum that changed regularly. I didn't really build a relationship with health professionals that I felt I could use. And I didn't know how to ask for help either. I probably knew I needed help, but it was so easy to be like, oh, no, I'll just have an extra nap today and then I'll be fine. You know, to kind of put it in the don't worry, I'll, I'll manage it, you know, sleep more, eat better, get some exercise, and then it goes away. You know, that's what we're always told. Mm-hmm. And the other big barrier for me was I didn't know what help I really needed. You know, I had this overwhelming, I'm not coping, but I didn't know, like I couldn't work out what the thing was that was going to make me better. And so I didn't know how to ask for that. So for me, that was my big challenge. I ended up at about 18 months, we moved into a different area. I was able to connect into groups like Plunkett and get a lot more support to ask for help. And I ended up, you know, going through the medication route, doing the counselling and getting my brain back to a point where I could actually process all the changes. Because for me, that was the big thing, right? My brain was just so unbalanced and on so much running on empty, essentially, that I couldn't actually logically process the things that were changing in my life. Essentially, you know, how I juggle being a working mum. And so I just couldn't process it. And I needed that support to get my brain back to a point where I could process things and actually start to rebuild my life, essentially. Yeah. And that's the thing, right? There's the cognitive thought process. When you get into that stage of running on empty, which is always a great analogy, that cognitive process slows down to a point where you, A, have to double guess yourself what's going on, but also you 
have to think harder to just do the easy things, and yeah. that alone burns the energy up. Yeah. Our brains are our most like valuable asset, but they're also our worst critics, right? And they just end up, or at least in my case, I ended up spiraling. So, you know, all of a sudden it would be that my my daughter, who I absolutely love, wouldn't sleep or wouldn't feed or had just woken up an extra time during the night. And all of a sudden, you know, I'd, my brain had spiraled to the world is going to end. And it was only an hour of my day, but I'd gone to a point where I just couldn't, as you said before, you know, I'd drop below base camp. Yeah. And I couldn't get myself back up to base camp. And, I, you know, I was fine existing at base camp if I could, but I couldn't even get there. Yep, yep. And that's the thing, right? It's when you're in reach of the top, you're driven, you feel that you can achieve that pinnacle. But getting back to normal is sometimes a bigger task. And working out where's normal and what's status quo is a tough ask. And that's where people sometimes trip up because they don't know what to ask for, like you're saying. Yeah, and and also I think there's a there's this big challenge, you know, particularly in postnatal depression around asking for help, you know, so you kind of almost second guess yourself and be like, particularly in postnatal depression, you know, oh, I don't want to admit that I've, I'm struggling because does that mean I'm, I don't love my, my daughter or my child when that's absolutely not the case at all? You can love your child and still struggle. There's a lot more going on chemically and hormonally in your body. And I think for me, you know, the whole comment you made, you know, my family and friends knew I was struggling way more than I would ever admit. And I thought I was doing a good job of hiding it. And turns out I was not, you know, and it took me a long time post kind of my recovery to actually rebuild a lot of those relationships. You know, there was a lot of work I had to put into my relationship, you know, actually admitting that I'd been pretty tough to live with, you know, a lot of friendships that I probably hadn't been there for my friends as much as I wanted. I hadn't accepted their help that they were offering and probably been relatively rude about it. You just don't know how to accept help. You don't know how to ask for help. And as you said, their alarm bells have been going off for a lot longer and you've been trying to hide it and probably doing a really terrible job of that. Yeah, and that's the thing, right? It's the natural disposition of the human psyche is just to grit and bear it, yep. move on, and hopefully through the stars aligning, you get out of it. Yep. But actually the easier way to go is to win a hand's held out to help you, maybe just, you know, sometimes you don't need it, but it's just to be led, you know, to that next door, to that next step. And friendships are all cyclical, whether we look at it that way or not. Sometimes a friend in, in need, like they say, is a friend indeed, right? And that goes both ways. Yeah. And there are people within our friendship groups or our family groups that need help from time to time. And quite often when you refuse that help or don't admit that you need that help, it can sometimes put people on the back foot and actually make some fractures in that relationship. But when you come out of it, it's not easy. But being honest about where you've been and how much of an arsehole you could have been during that time is just as important as accepting that help. And I think also, you know, thinking about it on the flip side, you know, if you're the friend and you offer someone help and they say no or, you know, they tell you, don't worry, I'm fine, ask again, come back the next day and ask again because it's probably that they're just trying to hide it and pretend like they're okay. And, you know, the friends that had asked me if I was okay for the last 18 months, they were the, still the ones that showed up and made the actual appointment for me to go see the doctor. You know, they kept trying and eventually they got through when I couldn't hide it anymore. So if your friends or family are struggling and they say they're okay or they, they brush it off or they're trying to hide it and you know you've got a feeling that there's something more going on, 
don't give up. Yeah, because whether you do it or whether you get a different angle from someone else, it can sometimes be the, the critical movement or the critical change of ad- angle that could really be the key link that they need. Absolutely. So now we're at the stage of of where are you at now? Like you've you've told us where you've gone and where you've been, but where are you at now? I'm in a good place now. You know, I've put support structures in my life that mean that it's a lot easier to manage now. Living closer to, to help and support is great. You know, accessing medical services, having, you know, they say it takes a village to raise a child, but having access to that village, be that family, friends, daycare, childcare, whatever it might be for you, you know, that's really important. Even if it's just a friend who'll take your kid for a few hours while you go get a haircut, you know, having access to that is really valuable. And I wouldn't take that for granted again. And, you know, that was a, a big challenge for me. I'm so lucky I've got such supportive bosses, but the working mum or working parent life is always a juggle. You yeah. know, you always feel like you're not quite giving 100% in whatever you're doing. Your mind's constantly going, has my kid got the shoes for daycare or have they had their latest vaccinations or did I get that report in on time? Your brain's constantly trying to jump between tasks and we know we're not very efficient when we do that. So it's really about setting boundaries now. So for me, you know, Friday I don't work. Friday's my day with my daughter and I'm trying to be very present there. Yep. And then try to be very present when I'm at work as well. So look, I can't say I get it right all the time, but setting boundaries has to be really important. And again, it goes back to that base camp analogy, right? If you're at base camp, you're achieving most of the things day to day because you're at a good level where your mind's not going, oh, am I disappointing or am I not fulfilling my need there? When you're at the pinnacle, you've, you're ticking those boxes and it doesn't happen all the time because there's always a spanner in the works. And we're always our worst critics, right? You know, I might sit there and be my harshest judge and go, I'm, I'm definitely not achieving what I want, but I'm sure my boss is pretty happy with me or I, he would tell me, you know, or I'm sure my friends would point out if I was doing something really terrible. So you always feel like you might not be doing your best, but actually you're doing a damn good job. Yeah, it's acceptance, right? It's like you say, your your brain is your own worst enemy and your brain comes up with scenarios and basically false truths that a lot of people haven't even thought about or haven't even factored in. And that balance between being a parent, having a career, then having the social side of things as well, which is just as key to maintaining good mental health because outside of our family gate or our family home, there's a whole community out there that we've either been involved in previously and we've stepped away from or we are trying to help and those are the networks and the people that have flagged those markers when we're we're not feeling well. So trying to keep those relationships strong or improved while trying to juggle their life and kids and all the rest of it, it just it does get a lot. Yeah, and and the reality is, you know, our lives are constantly getting busier, whatever role you're in, be it on farm or in, in the office, and putting boundaries in place is super critical. Do you need to go for a run every morning? Are you the kind of person that needs to be in bed by a certain time? I'm a no on the run. <laughs> yeah, as people can I'm probably see, I'm, I'm, totally, I'm not a runner. <laughs> but, you know, for me, it's the Fridays off. That's really important to me. Yep. For other people, it's turning their phones off at the dinner table. Whatever it is, you've got to work out what those, you know, those sacred things are for you. And tell your family, tell your friends what they are so that you stick to them. Yeah. I'm probably, my three for me is I've got to have good sleep. It literally drives me crazy if I can't sleep. Nutrition. Yeah. And although it frustrates the the living bejesus out of me, playing golf. Um, Playing golf for me is my thought process goes to why won't that little ball go in the hole? (laughs) 
and it switches off a lot of that negative noise or confusion that's going on outside of that that golf course. Yeah. And the banter and the camaraderie that goes with the golf, whether it be people giving me grief when I've not played well or the pat on the back when you do play well, yeah. which doesn't happen that often. <laughs> those are the three kind of staples for me. And yeah. if I don't do those regularly, yeah, the, the things start to slip. And then, again, they're probably part of that mental health toolbox that I carry around. Yeah, for sure. You know, that whole active relaxing thing, I, I relate to that too. You know, I've got to be doing something physical that will take my brain off whatever it's cycling around in and just give it time to sit rather than feeling like my brain's running 100 miles an hour all the time. Yeah, right. So to keep things a bit mixed up, we're going to do five quick fire questions for you, right? Oh, all right. These are non-scripted. Oh, and they're just going to be off the cuff, and you just have to th- just as quickly as All possible right. answer, right? Right. Are we going red or white wine? Oh, red. Okay. Right. Cat or dog? Uh, cat. Oof. Ute or car? Ute. Oh, country girl. All right. And two more. Are we going chicken or fish? Uh, I'm going to say fish. Yeah. I, I'm lucky I get fresh fish. My partner, you know, every chance he gets. So I'm, uh, yeah, yep. fresh fish. And the last one of all, are you a, a reader or a TV watcher? Reader. Right. Don't do as much of it as I'd like, but that's the intent. Okay. Got to turn off the Facebook and the TikTok first. Yeah. TikTok? Oh. <laughs> what are you, 12? <laughs> I don't actually know how to use TikTok, but, you know. Yeah, social media. <laughs> social media. Yeah, fair enough. All right. Uh, we're going to go with you. We're going to go wine or Beer. Beer. Uh, pineapple on pizza, yes or no? No. <laughs> vacation or staycation? Oh, vacation. Uh, podcasts or music? Oh, it's uh, a tough one. <laughs> uh, definitely the Bullshit and Bravery podcast. Nailed it. Uh, there was a correct answer for that one. Um, and finally, tea or coffee? Oh, tea, 100% tea. I live in a bit of a coffee-dominated household, and we have a very good coffee machine, but I'm a gumboot tea man all the way. Yeah, no, I'm with you on that one. All right, so just to just to wrap up, and you know, a big part of what we want to do in this podcast is to leave people with kind of tangible actions. You know, what are, what are your takeaways? So, so Sam, what would be your three key messages or two key messages from today's podcast? Definitely try and build yourself a mental health toolbox. Right, two, three, four, five things that you know keeps your mind and your mental health in a fairly good state or improves it if you need to be. Mm-hmm. I think also sharing your experiences because quite often when people are in a low place, whether you are or somebody else, knowing that you're not alone in that space and you're not the only one that's thought that or or been through that is quite crucial because sometimes we can feel like we're alone in that problem or alone in that situation. And I think, too, is sometimes we tend to live in the world of social media where things have been, you know, photoshopped or (laughs) there's a snapshot. Yeah. Living in the real world and and finding real stories and real people to talk to is crucial because you take out all the airbrushing, you take out all the the setup cameras and and the lights and actually see what it is and you see that actually what other people are doing are not too far away from what you're doing. It's just that you followed them on Instagram or TikTok <laughs> or whatever and you've taken a small snapshot of their entire life. Yeah. What about you? Three take-home messages. Yeah, so my first one would be you don't need to know what help you need, but it's okay to ask for help regardless. You know, your friends, your family, whoever you ask for help can help you work out what that help is. 
but don't hide it. Don't try to bullshit yourself. Just ask for the help. My second one's probably for the people on the other side. If you ask someone how they're doing, genuinely mean it. Don't let them fob you off. Yeah. And I think that's really important. You know, how often do you get, oh, hey, how are you going? Oh, yeah, I'm fine. I'm busy. Yeah. You're right. It's kind of irrelevant. So if you ask someone how they are, actually care and listen to the response and don't let them fob you off either. And then my third one is probably around the, yeah, the importance of the toolbox. So whatever those things are for you, sleep, food, family, whatever it is, if it's the boundaries, put them in place. So make sure you start to identify your own triggers, your own um, needs, and then prioritize those. Cool. All right. Well, that's, uh, that's all very interesting because, to be honest, sometimes we forget, even when you've been through the ringer or been through some of the stresses, you, you sometimes drop the ball. I mean, there's no harm in admitting more than once that you still need help. Just because you've been through one big thing and you feel like you've maybe used up a bit of goodwill or used up, people are genuinely, if you're honest with them and upfront and you genuinely have a problem or something going on, people will come and people will help again. We're always a work in progress, yeah. <laughs> all yeah. of us. So anyway, I think we have whittled away our, our problems <laughs> for the day. and Hopefully said something useful about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and people haven't gone to sleep with our monotone, or if they have, well, we could <laughs> be a sleep a podcast. Thing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. What's going to be on our next episode of Bullshit and Bravery, Carla? So coming up next, we've got the fantastic Julia Jones. I won't go into all her backstory now. We'll save that for the next episode, but she's a phenomenal human being. And so that podcast will be high energy and full of amazing takeaways. So keep your ears peeled, keep your eyes peeled. We will be launching that soon. And yeah, we hope to have you back to listen to ourselves again. We'll be less talking less and listen to the amazing Julia Jones next time. Awesome. Thanks. Thank you very much for listening. And if you need help or support, please reach out to your local Rural Support Trust on 0800 787 254 or text 1737 or reach out to the Mental Health Foundation. Once again, thank you to the Waikato Rural Support Trust for the support of this podcast. Please like our Facebook page, Bullshit and Bravery, and don't forget to listen to the next podcast episode. Get in touch if you have any feedback for us or if you're interested in being a guest.